Hey, everybody. Great episode of the NFT Morning Show today. We discuss the action we're seeing in the NFT space, specifically with collections like Valhalla, having a little bit of pump after their reveal. The current state of affairs with Cock Punch by Tim Ferriss settled down at a significantly lower price point than it came out at, but still holding relatively strong. We dive into uh, Utes, by Dust Labs, uh, you know, led by Frank and Kevin Degods, and how their market share of profile pictures in the NFT space is steadily increasing and what that could mean for the collection. We also talk about value accrual for all these NFTs, especially during a bear period like the one that we're in. The show is sponsored by Cosmo Gene, which is a triple A level gaming ecosystem that's being built out on blockchain. Hope you enjoy the show, everybody. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, December 8th, and you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show. We run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, each and every week where we discuss all things NFTs. We talk about what NFTs are going up, not that many right now, what NFTs are going down, whole lot of those, and everything in between in the NFT crypto technology and financial markets. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, the funniest man in the business. He published a whole damn video on how to properly host Twitter spaces from a gear perspective, often controversial, uh, universally loved Nifty Nick, of course, one of the most sophisticated market now, participants. Pause right there, yo. But I just want to, you know, say shout out to myself. There you go. You got a self shout out. Uh, uh, I was next. on the wrong microphone. My apologies. Yeah, I was going to okay. say it sounded terrible. Yo, you you taught us how to use the gear, so you're uh, you're afforded <laughs> errors every once in a while, Nick. Uh, moving on to Signal, one of the most sophisticated market participants that I know, the author of the Nifty Daily Digest. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. She publishes that five days a week. A badass moonbird and a crowd favorite, of course, Signal. And last but not least, one of the most active NFT traders that's still trading every single day. The founder of a profile picture collection that's soon to hit a blockchain near you. The host of GMGM Market Talk and Web3 Made Easy. The guy himself, the dog himself, Easy Eats Bodega. Today's show is sponsored by Cosmo Gene, a VC-backed game that raised $8 million in funding, AAA quality. I'm excited to learn more about Cosmo Gene. If you retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow Cosmo Gene, you'll be entered for a chance to win one of the two NFTs that were given away at the end of the day. It's going to be a jam, so make sure that you stick around for that. And look who just joined the show. The CEO of Crypto Raiders, a gaming mogul himself, a guy that's down $35,000 on that Moonbird, but he still has a smile on his face every single day. The intelligent degenerate King Kicks. Kicks, what's going on this morning? It's 29000 <laughs> Kicks, we got rugged yesterday. What happened? The Legos. That was two days ago. No, that was literally yesterday at noon. <clears throat> no, no chance. Two days ago. All right, it was yesterday, but all right, time moves. <laughs> time moves faster for you, I guess. Yeah, time time moves fast, man. I mean, here's the thing. You know, sometimes when you're buying something that you saw on a mint schedule, you know, five minutes before mint, you don't exactly look into the details and and you know see some red flags, uh, like the fact that they only have 200 followers on Twitter. They only have two tweets. None of the tweets really made sense, and then the art just looked way too good for how cheap they were minting for. 
Uh, it turns out it was all stolen. Um, but, you know, it had a nice run for a little bit. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you hop on a bike with your friend and you're cruising around the neighborhood and then he tells you, you know, halfway through the bike ride that he stole the bike you're on and then you hear sirens behind you and, and your life kind of takes a turn for the worse. But that little bit of that bike ride where it was just you and your friend. Uh, so much bikes, fun. So much fun. Nifty Nick has his hand raised. Something to chime in on here? Well, two things. One is, um, how's your voice still not recovered? We're at Thursday here, Pia. I'm wondering if you've seen a doctor for this situation. And oh. then, uh, the well, actually, do, have you been drinking tea? No. Um, I honestly kind of had a little bit of a concern this morning, too. I was like, how is my voice still fucked? So that that was actually, that wasn't good. That That's not good in general. Uh, but I believe that I'll be back. Well, I mean, you can always have faith, you know, and that's what matters uh, is the faith that maybe one day you'll sound like yourself. Um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, shout out to that Valhalla reveal. Wow. Haven't seen great art like that in a long time, you know, just well, the market. The market seems to be responding positively, positively. to it. It and, is positive. Uh, Honestly, it's better than well for well my thing is that does the art matter? I would say no. However, this is basically uh, I think a Zuki inspired and with the head turned slightly so you get more face action. However, um it does seem to be higher effort and you know executed better than your typical kind of version of this. And so, uh, you know, it, it attracted the attention of some people that I know, you know, kind of are, are pretty decent at making picks. I wonder if if this art will, I mean, look at the volume on this thing, man. Look at the volume on it. Uh, kicks, I don't know. Are 6, you still holding this? 6,000. Kicks. Yeah. Are you still holding Valhalla? Yeah, I'm still holding Valhalla. What, what do did you, you get in reveal? Um. I actually like made fun of this art a lot before reveal, but after revealed, I was like, it's actually pretty good. Like it's not that bad. Easy. What do you think? I hate it. I think it looks terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Fine. Yeah, it looks I'll like crap. I'm gonna be honest. It's just I mean, not bro, it's just like another shitty anime PFP that's facing left. Like Azuki did it right, and now like, how come we haven't seen someone take a swing at anime PFP facing right? You know, like move. Be the, be a first mover. Don't don't just rip the left face. Okay. Well, and left facing is a rug, although that's what our current PFP is directed. So I don't know. Well, the but, best comment uh, I saw was left facing PFPs look like they're ashamed to be reading the tweets that they send because they're looking <laughs> away from them. That's a well, funny line. That's very funny. If ours uh, stays left facing, then uh, you may be, we may be dissing our own PFP when, uh, when it launches being like, well, it's left facing. But I write with my left hand, you know, and a lot of people don't knew, know that. But I just thought I'd share that information because maybe it changes the way that people think about me. You're a creative, Nick. Easy. From just like a kind of a technical perspective, though, what do you think of the the action on Valhalla right now? It's good. Like uh, it dipped as low as 0.4 post-reveal, now back up to 0.6. 0.62, so it's even getting some legs here. Almost 2,000 ETH volume in the last 24 hours. So clearly people are backing it, I guess. I mean, I'm just not a fan of like the actual project myself. So... I didn't mint it, but was never really a fan of like what they're trying to do. The other thing I find interesting is like we're seeing cock punch continue to get punched in the cock and fall down, whereas Valhalla is pushing to Valhalla. So it's uh, it's a little bit of an interesting top two on the twenty four hour volume. 
Yeah. I mean, so for, on both of these, easy, is there anything that would inspire you to buy in? Like, I, do you view Valhalla as like already you missed that, that dip post reveal? Like, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I wouldn't be buying in here just because like now what's next? You know what I mean? Like they have to have some banger announcement and like their big focus is like a Twitch competitor, which we saw Microsoft try to launch Mixer and pay Ninja a million dollars a month and they still couldn't like get value there. We've seen a few other crypto focused streaming platforms try to take off already. Granted, they do have about $20 million to use, but even that, that pays for a little more than a year and a half of Ninja and that's the entire bankroll without funding any employees. So I'm curious to see how long and where they're at in like six months. But I just worry like shiny object syndrome because we do have a couple upcoming mints I'm excited about that are probably going to take focus. Like if we look at Keeperverse, which was like the hype mint right before this, that's currently at a 0.16 floor. Right. So like I think that's probably going to see similar price action to Valhalla once the next mint hits the scene. Is yeah. keeper, but is keeper regarded as like str- the, like the in the same regarded as good? The okay. the Valhalla teams regarded as like considerably better than the keeper team. I think for sure. But uh, yeah, I think the the thing with like they work know, out, dude. That's what I'm hearing. Like they've been they've been hitting the gym, and I I was just like, yo, y'all looking fit. So like, you yeah. know, I are mean, you he got Y Combinator when he was 19, dude, and then you know. He uh, got aqua hired, dude. But if you get aqua hired, you can call that a massive exit uh, and no one can back check you. Um, I so, see Bark in the audience, Pia. But are uh, you are you going to call him out? Hey, shut up, Nick. Okay. Anyway, so Valhalla. I think the issue is one eighth floor is thick, Pia. Like psychologically, in a bear, it's not going to break one. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, why don't we dive into the Weather report, as reported by Kicks. Kicks, go ahead. Well, dude, you're supposed to like you're, dude. You're just like throwing like a speedball, like right down the middle of the a fastball or a speedball. I think a speedball is when you mix heroin and cocaine. Uh, yeah. How do you even know that? That's how uh, John. Dude, 2009 was crazy, bro. Yeah, those uppers and those downers, man. I mean, if you're just gonna do uppers and downers, just do like you know a. A normal version of that, like a Red Bull vodka or something. Anyways, it's Thursday, the 8th of December. OpenSea coming in at 12.5 million volume. We haven't seen this range for over a month. Of course, it was driven by the legend of Cock Punch with some real big volume. Also, Valhalla, which we just talked about, clocked 1,700 ETH in volume. Those two projects together representing close to 50% of uh, the overall OpenSea volume. Uh, last time uh, this happened was when Artblock's bracelets dropped, uh, when Ranga pumped to 1.3, and Keeper was all the way up at 0.9. Speaking of Keeper, uh, Blur at $5.1 million in volume. It's lower after Cockpunch was restricted on the platform. You could kind of say that Cockpunch cockpunched Blur uh, you know, keep tabs on that going forward. In terms of the leaders, apes slow bleeding uh, from the high of 75 down to 68. Not too bad. Mutants going in the opposite direction at 14.5. Uh, I, I think that's been a very interesting trend. We've seen relative strength in mutants and a, a little bit of relative weakness in apes compared to each other, uh, which is very interesting to me. I think there's a lot of reasons uh, why that could be. Punk's at 64.7. 
Moonbirds at 8.5. Doodles, 7.4. Clone X, 6.5. Over the past 24 hours, The Legend of Cockpunch leading OpenSea. Cockpunch volume was so high that it did more volume in 24 hours than what Doodles, Pudgies, or Moonbirds has done in the past 30 days. Collection saw strong price action swinging down to low at 0.9, up to 2. And this morning, are you using the emulator, dude? This is, I, I didn't hit that button. This is Nick. Oh, sorry. I was playing some music. Was that, I thought I wanted to no, give a little kids, bit of texture. Yeah, no, that's good. I wanted to add some texture to Kix's, you know, segment. Kix, back to you, Chief. Thanks. Yeah, P.O. Uh, just ruined my uh, energy levels here. Okay. Valhalla at number two on OpenSea ranks. After winning the question, which collection has better art? Valhalla or Keeper? Valhalla held its floor while Keeper went down, which is most likely linked to Valhalla's goals, ambitions to be a Web3 gaming platform. Collection saw a post-reveal dip down to 0.4, but surged back 50% gains at 0.62. Another top performer from yesterday's hype men was Art Blocks curated by uh, Jin Yao Lin. Average mint came in at 0.68. It broke past a 1.4 uh, late last night, up to like Now <laughs> The collection alongside other curated collections. What happened to your phone, Kix? What, what are you doing? What, what changed? <laughs> what happened? What are you talking about? Now you're back. What, what is happening when you switch? <laughs> I'm not doing nothing, dude. Okay. I got one more thing. Lastly, Artifact continues to face FUD from the community with vocal day one supporters selling off the collection on Twitter. The team tweeted that they have heard the community's response and will be hosting a Twitter space discussing crypto kicks in real life. Uh, the drop along with the founders today on Twitter. So we're going to have a little Twitter spaces today with the Artifact community. That should be sizzling. Crypto is ranging. And because of that, we're getting some nice volume over in the NFT world. Back to you in the studio. Sorry for the difficulties. Yeah, fantastic weather report. I don't know if you're using the emulator that I told you not to use. But anyway, just use the iPhone. Ladies and gentlemen, some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter that is published by Signal five days a week. You can sign up at thenifty.com. Uh, Two-time Grammy-nominated artist Steve Aoki and renowned DJ Blau have formed a new music group, It's the Punks, inspired by their crypto punks. We'll see if that moves the needle on mainstream attention for NFTs. The New York Times has reported that the federal po prosecutors are investigating Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, over possible market manipulation of Terra USD and Luna and whether Bankman-Fried influenced prices of the digital assets to benefit FTX and Alameda Research. Will be interesting. We'll see if anything comes of this. Decentraland has announced a new feature, which will allow landowners to rent out their property to other users on the platform and earn passive income in the form of rent. All transactions will be paid upfront with MANA, which is Decentraland's native token, and land cannot be sold while it's rented out. I'm going to say that that's ahead of its time. But in the future, if there are a lot of users on these platforms, I think that that 
uh, that will be relevant. On to Solana news, DGOD's founder, Frank, has challenged hyperspace to support creator royalties by calling out their aggregation of 0% royalty marketplaces. The two parties subsequently went back and forth debating marketplace decisions. Frank getting in the mud with hyperspace. Love to see it. Dust Labs, which is the holding company, I guess you would say, that's run by Frank and Kevin Degods, has released the NFT Blue interface, allowing Solana NFT buyers to check how much in royalties they've actually paid to creators. Uh, last but not least, Solana co-founder Raj Gakal chimed in on the Polygon versus Solana discussion, stating real communities can't be bought. Holy shit, this beef between Solana and Polygon is getting deeper. It's interesting. Say it to my face, bitch. That's what he said. The heated debate further ignited overnight with notable Solana influencers like Soul Legend and Soul Big Brain also weighing in. Those are your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. You can sign up at thenifty.com. We're going to do a big push on that newsletter, so stay tuned. It's written by Signal five days a week. We're not just doing a push. Sign up if you want uh, one of our uh, free... Well, it's not free. It's going to cost us money, one of the Nifty portals. So if you want one of those NFTs, just go to thenifty.com before the end of December. And I think uh, NFT God said he was going to give a couple away as well. Um, so we're, uh, we have a few of these uh, to give away. All you got to do is sign up for the email list, open it up a couple of days, and we're gonna, you're going to get an uh, email potentially saying you won. All you got to do, go to the nifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. We're about to rebrand also. We got a new name coming and no one's going to see this one. No one's going to see it No coming. one's going to see this. Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, today's show is sponsored by Cosmogene. Retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow Cosmogene for a chance to win one of the two NFTs that we're giving away at the end of the game, uh, end of the day, end of the show. It's a AAA game experience. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be a jam. So look, so diving into the NFT uh, market, we had some fun on the YouTube show yesterday. We were talking about cock punch. We figured out live on the show um, that on Tim Ferriss's site, he's like, yeah, all the proceeds of the primary sale are being donated to charity. We then figured out it's his charity that he's, well, it's his nonprofit that he's the CEO of uh, that's getting the money. So we're just like, wait a minute. You mean he's just getting them all the cash from the primary sale, but not paying taxes on it. So that was fun. Um, and then we had a little that bit led of, to a major investigation. It's a major. I mean, we're flying out to San Francisco to investigate that, right, Nick? Yeah, there's going to be a deep dive uh, to research what's going on. It does sound like his money in that nonprofit is going to a good use. Uh, and uh, Node was gave some uh, a positive spin on it after my tweet. So maybe maybe some of my take was slightly uncalled for, but I don't care. We're going. We're going to investigate. I don't care if you're doing if you're doing good things. We're going to investigate that, you know. Like, I almost ratioed just, you. I almost ratioed you on your tweet. You know, did I was you? getting close. Oh shit! And then what happened? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't actually check the numbers in full. But my then point like a was, jet engine. My point was this: is like, would I rather have a random nonprofit? Uh, you know, like, would I rather the funds go to a random nonprofit or one that's overseen by Tim? And so for me, I'm like, well, depending on the guy or the gal that is running it. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm more bullish on it. I'd rather it go to his own organization because he's legit and I trust him more than just like your average run of the mill CEO for hire at a nonprofit. So that's the positive spin on this whole thing. And he's been, I mean, he was pretty clear about it from the beginning as well. So, well, note, I mean, I want to get your take on this. Like, how do you think that this, you know, could go? I mean, we've seen some pretty volatile price action since it dropped. Is this something that's interesting to you? I know that you've kind of really leaned in heavy, heavily on generative art and one-on-one art on platforms like Super Rare. Uh, what's kind of your thought on Cockpunch? And did yeah. I catch you testing out the sort of Cockpunch-like uh, form? Did I see you doing that, like, in the air? I don't know. Maybe I miss. Maybe that was just me. I have no idea what you're referring to, but uh, oh well, you don't know how to do a proper cock punch, okay? Oh, 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 oh! I get it, I get it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, I try not to, you know, try not to injure people in that in that region. But uh, what I'll what I'll say is this: the I I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss, and he's he's like, uh, and the same thing is happening that happened with Gary Vee, where a lot of people were like, oh, it's Gary Vee, he's just another influencer. And like, dude, Gary Vee has done more for the space than probably almost every single other founder out there in terms of bringing new people in. Um, but the difference with Tim is like this. He's been abundantly clear from the beginning that this is like a fun experiment and uh, this is purely entertainment. And so, like, I think if you're buying into this to trade and make a ton of money, like you, you could be in for a world of hurt. I, I minted mine because I had, you know, I had a, an allowless slot and I'm holding it just for kicks. But uh, uh, I, I mean, it, he couldn't have been more clear that this is not supposed to be like he's not trying to turn this into the board API club. Like he's trying to turn this into a fun entertainment thing. And that's how he framed it. And then all of us were just like, yeah, no, we're going to flip this thing. We're going to we're going to do everything he warned us not to do with it. So I, I am a little worried just because uh like his intention is was not to do was not to turn this into just this big huge flipping game um but he also understands that that's what nfts are all about so i'm really curious to see where it leads i would i mean i i'm not like hoping to do a huge you know 10 20x on this thing um but i do think he's going to make it interesting and this is not like a a classic uh smash and grab like we're just going to drop something and, and immediately disappear like he has designed this project so that it's interesting to him. And he basically said on his interview with Kevin Rose that uh, like this is this is uh, the most excited he's been about a project since, you know, his last book or podcast or whatever. Like he hasn't he hasn't produced anything new in a while. And so uh, I'm excited that he's trying and that he's doing something unique and different. Uh, but I am also worried because the NFT space is ridiculous. And so he, he framed it as like, hey, what are you going to pay to go out for and do some get some great entertainment for a while? That's what you should think of when you buy my NFT. And like nobody's nobody's buying, uh, you know, an NFT for one ETH for that reason, I think. So those are those are my thoughts. Well, if you go to uh, when Hamilton was popping, I forget what the current popular uh, play play is on Broadway, but. You know, it would have it, one ETH would have been, uh, you know, not an unreasonable amount. Yeah. So, okay. No, did you buy? Are are you holding this? Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah. I minted. I I, I was on the allow list, so I I have I got it at point three, and I'm holding it. How'd you this, get on the allow list? Because he's a dude, scammer. There were like, dude, there were like 15 different premiums that you could get access to, uh, and I. So, I mean, between, there were all sorts of projects that he did pre-mint collabs with. 
and, uh, and, and, you know, for the raffle essentially. So I, I literally had like, I, I think five, four or five different premit registrations, uh, amongst different projects. The one that I actually got the registration for though, was his, uh, five bullet Friday, like Tim Ferriss's actual newsletter premit that he did, uh, that raffle. That's the one that I won with. Um, but I know gotcha. like, so you probably think you're like a real tough guy now, huh? <laughs> Real tough guy, real tough guy. I mean, dude, everybody, everybody I talked to this, that got on the allow list, you know, like Ray from WGMI, you know, he was like, oh yeah, he's like, I had six or something and I got, I got one through Zen Academy's raffle, you know, like, so he did, uh, if you, if you were paying attention, he had a lot of different, um, premis, pre-mint raffles going on. Well, there you go. I think the, the kind of bigger question to, to ask with a situation like this is when we hear about like the things like this sounds like a stage play type of thing. It's a new podcast that he's dropping. I think the question a lot of people have is like, is a digital asset necessary alongside that, especially when it's an entity like Tim Ferriss, who's already basically a billionaire, right? Um, that's, that's kind of the question that I think I have. The other thing is that on the website, it talked about like, you know, dropping maps and all that. And I just wonder if those assets are going to actually be in the NFT ecosystem. Regardless, you know, in this market to be holding over a one ETH floor and to have, you know, strong volume the way that it does, um, that's obviously like, you know, nothing to scoff at. You know, Tim Ferriss is a big public figure. It's going to be interesting to see what comes of this. But, um, you know, when you think about the NFT market, the stuff that really works, I've said this before, is the stuff where the people are like giving their whole lives to it. So you think about Board API Club, you look at like what Frank and, and Kevin D gods are, are building over at Dust Labs. You know, they're, they're not half assing it. There isn't something else that they're also working on. So when I hear that Tim Ferriss is like, yeah, this is a fun experiment project. You know, I'm not going to work on it forever. Like, I don't expect people to be an indentured servant to their Web3 um, endeavors forever. I'm not unrealistic like that. But when you kind of go into it with that, I think it's, it's harder for me to back, but there might be a different audience that he's looking to attract that's just like, hey, let's take a swing at this and and see what the story is. I, I would imagine that most people buying it right now are in the kind of short-term trading mindset. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, but Pio, I think as well, you have to look at like, you know, when an, uh, say somebody else says, I'm going to experiment, the results that they get out of their experiment may not be on the same level and caliber as when Tim Ferriss says he's going to experiment. Like, you know, the four hour work week was an experiment for him in like, can I write this book and put this thesis together? And then that went on to become what it is. So it's like his uh, track record of his so-called experiments have been uh, very strong. So uh, look, he's bringing, if you like, intangible value where value did not exist before to podcasting we haven't seen that done at this caliber i would say you know let's see where this goes however uh opposite to mode i flipped mine i minted and I, and I flipped but i think you know he's had a podcast for what eight years now he's number one i think on the business side on apple so he definitely has the track record but that does not mean number goes up i think there's a disconnect here we're all, we're all expecting number goes up i think this could still do very well but number stays the same or go or or, or goes down that's the difference Sure. And oh, you, you meant it too, Signal? I bet you think you're real tough, huh? <laughs> Signal, oh, dude, you, bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> were you able to get on the allow list, Sig? I was on the allow list, like Node. I was running around doing pre-mint links. And uh, yeah, just for once, 
for once uh luck was on my side and uh, i managed to get uh you have been chosen for the allow list so yeah it was it was fun watching a price action yesterday um yeah just looking easy i get why you get like <laughs> i know you do this stuff all the time i don't do it as often as you but damn just like watching the numbers go up down and you're you're in the discord and you're seeing nick being like oh it's gone down to one ETH, and then you're like oh i've lost all my money and then i asked easy actually in the discord what's your over under to which he replied, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. Easy just says that a lot. Like he says that a lot. <laughs> but Easy was bang on. He said, yeah, I, I called it go. spot on. To yeah, a you tea. did. To a T, you called this. So I just, and and when, when Easy said, um, I don't know the context, I don't know what's going on, but this is what I think uh, will happen. I exited at his range because I was like, this is when Easy is right, when he has no context. <laughs> well, I love it. Signal, one thing that you said is you said you think that this could do well, but that doesn't necessarily mean number go up. What does do well mean in a context like that? So I think um, he has a track record of doing a podcast, which has for over the last, and he, don't forget, he got into the podcast game late. So I think he started around 2014 and uh, there were already a lot of big podcasts at that time. Um, and I think if he has good law, good story, and the legend of cock punch is something interesting to listen to, the actual podcast can do very well. But that doesn't mean as a producer of that podcast, he wants to drive value to the NFT. And that's perhaps where the disconnect may be. He could be doing this because this is just interesting to play around with storytelling in a Web3 context, but he doesn't necessarily um, drive value to the NFT because like he says, you know, I'm doing this just for fun. And this is what I mean, where I say you could have a huge podcast, loads of people listening, you know, people saying, have you listened to this episode? But then the NFT stays exactly the same, you know, it, or it goes flat or it goes down. So there is a disconnect. And that's where I think perhaps um, you're taking a gamble. Does he have the interest to make number go up? Because I found out that I had a loud list for this project after it sold out. Really? So, yes. Yeah. I got a message from a friend who was like, did you mint it? I was like, no, I didn't have a loud list. And they were like, dude, I put you on the list. I was like, what? So I had no idea. And like I said, I, I barely even looked into the project aside. I knew it was Tim Ferriss, know who he is. It was just out the gate where it opened up from its mid price, threw some numbers out and hit the nail on the head with what the actual trading actually was. That so. sucks because not only did you mint, not mint that, you also bought Legos like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm so fast. Yesterday was just a bloodbath for me. But hey, we're out here. We're living. We're having fun. It's a bear market. So we'll talk about Legos in a second, but easy. So the price action on Cockpunch right out the gate, it was trading at like three, four Ethereum in those first seven sales. Because there was such few on the market. That was the mm -hmm. thing. They airdropped like a very like sub 1K. So it was like just immediate FOMO. And they had said that they had been airdropping for a couple hours. So people thought it would be a much slower rollout. And then basically just went right into the mint. And as soon as the mint hit, price adjusted almost immediately to like one eight, one nine. And then as soon as I was like, all right, this is going to sell out, catch a quick pump, and then probably settle there and then dump back down to one. And it did exactly that. Yeah. I mean, you called that, you know, to a T. It, best case scenario, like basically you wanted to like mint it immediately and then immediately dump if you weren't one of the people that got airdropped. And I believe the people that got airdropped are the people that owned the Tim Ferriss uh, piece from the Proof Grails first collection, if I recall correctly. Yep. Yeah, that was the situation. So if you own the previous piece there, you were airdropped that and it was like a priority. So basically, if you got that airdrop, the move was to just floor the hell out of it. And if you like the project, buy back in once uh, public opened up or allow list opened up. 
Gotcha. And uh, and what happened with the Legos yesterday that you and Kids Dude, bought into? So we were in the Discord, just chopping it up, living with the portal crowd, and we were like, all right, this thing's catching some volume. Let's ape because it's it's low mint generative art season right now, like low supply. And Kix was like, I just bought six. So I was like, oh man, I'm not going to let my brother in Christ ride alone. So I bought five. And then shortly after someone's like, this is stolen from Tezos. And I was like, okay, maybe everyone doesn't know and we'll keep seeing a pump. And we did. And it pumped from like 0.005 to like 0.2. And then all of a sudden everyone realized Wait, you it didn't wasn't sell there. Dude, no, because me and Kicks were just literally gambling that it might touch point one. So there was like decent volume. It was getting like twenty to thirty ETH every fifteen minutes. Yeah, we, we didn't this- factor in that it, it could be a scam. We, we didn't yeah, factor the, that part in. The scam to pump ratio was not included in this, so we were riding the uh, the pump wave. If it wasn't volume- a scam, we had this in the bag. <laughs> this trade was in the bag. It was already yeah, this booked. is cash. This is cash. Like <laughs> we were already counting the bread, and uh, then all of a sudden everyone was like, "Wait a minute, this is actually stolen from Tezos." And the volume just, like, I've never seen volume just cease to exist so quickly in my life. And uh, it, then as soon as that happened, it just dumped. Well, I mean, when you're betting on things that cost 0.005, I think, that, well, it's just insanely difficult to get any kind of profit off of that if you're paying marketplace fees. Were you trading these on Blur? Uh, I don't know. I think I opened see because it was 0% royalty anyway. It was zero percent. Okay, you're still paying a two and a half percent fee to open. Yeah, but at point oh oh five, like that's literally a Solana transaction fee. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I was paying for like two Starbucks coffees uh, per um, to get these, <laughs> and I actually sold one at point two oh two five and point oh three five. So I didn't get absolutely hosed like easy. Um, still on the hidden folder right now. <laughs> yeah, I lost. I lost like eight Starbucks coffees on it, but it was just nice, you know, to chop the feet up. Uh, you know, just kind of feel the energy down there. Uh, you know, get the, chop get the, the feet up. <laughs> like yeah, you're cutting your feet. Yeah, dude, just chopping that up, chopping up. You know, keep your feet chopping in the bear. Uh, you know, famous words of Marshawn Lynch. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it felt good. It felt good to you know get in and out of that trade super quick. I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, I do feel like if ETH doesn't absolutely shit the bed. You know, we're probably going to get a little NFT speculation, which would be nice. So I just want to be ready to hit some DGen uh, mints because my, my my personal thing, like how I made most of my money was, you know, like, you know, swing trading things that were, uh, you know, projects that are probably down 99% now. Um, and uh, I want to be ready for that for the next one, dude. It's just a lot nicer to, you know, you put an ETH into something and it turns into five ETH. Then, you know, putting 10 ETH into something and it turns into, you know, 14 ETH. You know what I mean? Well, that's hard to come by these days. I mean, I'm looking at some of these collections that we've talked about over the past, you know, X number of weeks. And you see, you know, like, for example, Cellmates, which we talked about in Kicks. You had been in Cellmates. Did you end up selling out of these? Yep. Yeah, I made a, a nice little profit on those. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I also bought Valhalla around that same time, uh, down on the Valhalla, uh, buy-in. So I probably like broke even with like those four total trades. Got it. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing cellmates 
I mean, well, the ERC-721 like burn-to-reveal NFT thesis is strongly, strongly intact. It seems that every single time you see this like Renga black box style thing where you have to burn a 721 for the profile picture. There's a major premium, almost like a 2x premium on uh, you know the, the burnable asset. And then you see that the PFP here in the McBest case is at 0.38. Um, apparently, you know, very well-known artists, big following on platforms like Instagram, which are certainly relevant in the art world, but hard to tell what sort of long-term uh, value you're going to be able to find in the NFT collection. 49% unique ownership, definitely not bad, uh, listed about 24%. So, you know, uh, yeah, we'll see- down to 0.38, huh? And then the unrevealed is 0.63. Yeah. Which is I mean- probably around where you bought, right? Yeah, which is around where I bought. So, and I and I probably wouldn't go back in. I mean, the the tricky thing is, I mean, like e- even even Ranga is kind of dealing with this <clears throat> right now, right? Where it's like it's great, it's great art, it's a great artist, but like they have the they're not winning in the attention economy. That's what NFTs are, especially in a bear market. It all comes down to attention. Who can capture and who can maintain um attention and that's really really hard to do so projects that you don't have a high conviction that they can capture and maintain uh attention those should probably be shorter term trades what do you think the key is right now for grabbing attention in these projects where are you seeing the most um attention grabbing coming from um i you know i would uh try to find gabe uh uh, late on at a conference and steal one of his hairs and then clone his dna and then (laughs) i'm just kidding uh, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, like, hey, good news, kicks. We did that. <laughs> I think Gabe Gabe showed like a, a very good example of like a you know a Web three like marketing uh, playbook. I think I think the tricky thing is that a lot of people in the bull market they would like use hype about like roadmap stuff and like new things coming up, um, and that was like their marketing playbook. And now um, in a bear market, like that stuff doesn't work as much anymore. So they're just like you know not marketing um as much uh you know at all but yeah capturing like the it, the attention it's very hard and and a lot of times it's not even it's not even like the project itself right it's it's kind of like the community right like azuki is is capturing a lot of the attention economy without the azuki project itself necessarily doing it yeah, I mean, I love that perspective. Speaking of attention in the NFT space, I've been seeing more and more Utes profile pictures. Uh, obviously, Easy is the resident Solana expert. Easy, like I know, sometimes people pay attention to the numbers, like on NFT Inspect, like the actual number of Utes PFPs, you know, and the and the percentage growth that they're seeing in adoption of those PFPs, like. Are you seeing the same thing as me, or am I uh, imagining this? I feel like I see a lot of Utes out there these days. Yeah, I think there certainly is a lot. The other nice thing that they've done is with that like staking that they launched, you're getting a lot of the actual listing counts down a ton. And yesterday with Frank announcing his push towards like a social construct for royalties on the Solana ecosystem, we actually saw the floor price pump across all of the Dust Labs ecosystem NFTs. So D-Gods broke 400 if you bought that at 150 for 1500 bucks, man, you're sitting beautifully right now. You yeah, took like, mathematician easy, but that's almost a three X <laughs> on size too for Solana. Like that's a nice little trade. You know what I mean? Um, and then the other thing too, is like the speculation of them moving to ETH 
has actually caused the price run up because a lot of people obviously like ETH has more liquidity. Floor prices maintain higher prices over there. There's just more fun cycling. So the speculation is that if they move to ETH, they'll actually see a bump and be able to get back up to that like $16,000 USD floor price that they had back in like February, even like maybe like March. But um, that's like a lot of the speculation too. And obviously Utes being like the mutant comparison in the board Ape ecosystem to Dust Labs, those are put, like pushing 165, 170. So even that from shout out Sig buying it at like 45, 50, because that's a nice little 3x too. You know what I mean? So there's clearly a lot more interest in that ecosystem. They have an announcement coming out for their Utes points. It's like a think credit card point system. You can get rewards, physical items, etc. Like coming a out this day. Yeah. So like they're actually doing merch account. a different way. So they're doing a new piece of merch every 24 hours going into Christmas. It only lasts 24 hours. They launched trucker hats yesterday. They'll have something else today. Um, oh, so it's like a, it's like a what is it? What's that thing for Christmas? An Twelve days calendar? of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, easy. First yeah. of all, you should be in charge of the merch for you know the new brand name. I mean, that's just my my guess. You know, we're gonna idea, have some fire, bro. We're gonna have some fire. But Mark Seal, perfect example of that because I mentioned Gabe, right? And then like Pio kind of just mentioned uh, Utes and D Gods, right? Which has Frank. Like both of those projects have very uh, vocal, dynamic, active um, leaders, and and they're not like they didn't invent the playbook. I mean, look at how well V Friends did with like Gary V being that kind of like vocal spokesman so I, I think that like in order to capture the attention economy you either really need like a vocal uh you know front person that is is kind of the face of the brand and is always talking about it and and, and like you know uh, pumping it up um or you need like a really strong community that is going to like you know d develop that attention for you if you projects that don't really have either of those where they're not like for example, like, uh, you know, the magic ecosystem, right? Like, why is the magic e ecosystem doing um, so well on Arbitrum? Well, uh, it's a really cool project, first of all, right? And they've had some cool releases. So Beacon came out. That was the big thing. But they have a ravenous community, very similar to Wolf Game, right? Wolf Game is another project that has, it's so hard for a project, you know, to survive a year as a gaming project without a game and, and capture that attention ravenous community so you either really need a ravenous community or you need like a really strong uh spokesperson on the team that that's going to keep your space in the uh, or keep your like slot in the attention economy because if you don't have that what happens is we uh, we talk about on the show every day there's always new stuff coming and that new stuff is going to push you out of you know the limited amount of attention out there yeah, I think it's fascinating how strong Gabe uh, is is kind of perceived by the market. And I wonder how he was able to pull that off. Because like when you go to the D-Gods event, for example, at Art Basel and you see Frank, he's literally swarmed. I think a part of that is is like the youth factor, like how young he is, how young the audience uh, on Solana, and just like the D-Gods and Dust Labs audience in general is. So it's kind of like a different thing. You know, you go to an event, Gabe Layden isn't literally swarmed the way that Frank is or the way that Gary Vee is but he's still been able to figure out how to capture things. And I think it, it must be on the back of just the opportunity to make money to some capacity because he did see um, Gabe get like 100,000 Twitter followers when he was like, hey, and if you want to get on the white list for the next, you know, allow list for the next um, collection that Digidaigaku is dropping, you have to actually follow this account, like the Gabe Layden account on Twitter. So that, that demonstrated the level of interest in getting on to an allow list like that totally um, and, and they're like different kind of demos right like frank like trends like a little younger more youthful like gabe i think he has like um you know some like older uh you know 
big money. It's not, it's not like Gabe only attracts older people and Frank attracts younger people, but there's, they're, they're different crowds. You know what I mean? And there's like different uh, reasons why people are betting on both of those uh, dynamic founders. <laughs> and, and easy, you know, speaking back to you is another thing that's been rattling around in my brain is like fungible tokens attached to NFT ecosystems. Obviously, ApeCoin is probably the most notable one, but Dust Labs does have the Dust token, which saw some really volatile price action going into the Utes Mint. But I'm wondering, you know, what what's the current state of affairs there? What do you think of it? And are there other examples of notable tokens in NFT ecosystems that you think are worth worth exploring um, because it is hard for me to wrap my head around why I would buy one of those tokens over buying just like Ethereum or Solana or, you know, betting on any blockchain, Matic, anything like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's really tough because like you do need a catalyst for the underlying token to actually move. Obviously, like with Dust, it was the mint. So we saw a bunch of that come out. And like, I think we traded Dust perfectly, to be honest. Like we bought it early enough that we could sell into the pump. And I think I ended up getting my U for like near free based on the overpriced dust once it was going into that mint. We were like live talking about it during the Ute stuff that was going on. The Solana ecosystem has way more utility tokens. So like Scrap is the Tayo Pilots thing and they're going to be doing a similar mechanic where their mint is going to be in Scrap. So if you can mint with the underlying token, getting in early to those and even buying more because people tend to just wait until the last minute anyway. And that's a way to kind of like lower your cost basis. So that's what I'm looking at. The ERC-20 side of things is usually less just because like there is an inherent gas fee with those. So utility tokens do end up having like higher transaction costs. And if you're looking to trade the day of mint, you basically end up paying a premium, which is what we saw when people were swapping to Ape on the other side launch date. Um, there was massive gas surges across the board. Uh, SushiSwap was seeing a ton of volume. Uniswap was seeing a ton of volume. All that stuff that was going on led to that. So I think like the soul side of things, there's definitely more SPL plays that a lot of people look at. Liberty Square is a token for filth that like they do their raffles in. And like there's ways that like people try to incentivize it. But I don't know if any of these are like long-term holds for me because at that point, then you're speculating on price action, which for an SPL and like quote utility token, now it's, it's literally just a security. So like that's always the concern. If there's a catalyst, like something I'm looking at for scrap where I think it'll have similar price action to dust with that mint, because people wait until the last minute to buy it to mint. That's kind of what I'm playing here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to tell if any of these random tokens are going to pump at any given time. Um, and also, like, I just feel like a lot of it is ahead of its time because once other deed is a other side is a built out robust metaverse ecosystem platform there's going to be a lot of use cases for apecoin i do feel like it's ahead of its time if it's like well you can buy merch that nobody you know nobody wants with apecoin um and i'm not even like trying to throw shade it's just like clear that the most recent drop there was not nearly the same amount of excitement uh nick i saw you unmuted was that just because you you stay unmuted or was there something you wanted to chime in on I was just trying to flex on people, but um, in terms of you brought up Utes, what's the play here with um, the floor on the the tubes is now the, like the gap there has uh, widened substantially. Is it just keep holding tubes? Is that the play? I mean, take a look at what we see with cellmates. The unrevealed is two x the floor of the revealed ones. We saw with Ranga black boxes. Ranga is two and a half x. It seems. Yeah, which is and crazy. then even dude, go take a look at Clonex vials. Like the unrevealed, those are still at a premium. Like there's a value in not revealing. People in the space love to gamble and try to hit a rare because that's like how you get the return. But like the likelihood is still like sub 1%. So, I mean, the play would, in my opinion, be just hold the tube, continue holding the tube. And it yeah, also, that's, 
it, it seems that the rares in Ranga specifically fetch a serious premium. Like there's real value in the rares, so that might explain that. that there's two still and a half seven one of ones on the Utes that haven't been revealed yet, and the one of them sold yesterday for two thousand nine hundred Solana. So th- this mentality around blind box opening is actually pretty interesting. That's that's the world that that I come from even prior to to being. It's also like the CS Go skin like meta here too. It's, like, yeah, it's it's across the board. It's not even just a, a Web three thing, right? It's it's blind box me- mechanisms. There's always a value or, or a premium value in the gamble over actually just purchasing the item that you you think that you uh, you want. So I, I I think that's that trend is going to continue forever yeah i mean the the gambling factor is a factor uh sig you raise your hand what's going on yeah i was gonna ask easy do you ever see a case where utes flips d gods just because like the the art on utes i find very universal that most people will probably buy into that over a d god d god is obviously more established but do you ever see a world in which if frank keeps momentum and is able to you know either stays with solana moves up solana whatever but like a world in which utes could flip d gods just just from an art perspective that people prefer it zero percent chance in my opinion <laughs> um you got to think like there's five thousand more utes so it's uh inherently more supply and then d gods also get a higher return on the point system and also have a separate store. So you have to believe that like they're going to try to reward the original collection more than the secondary collection. I, I actually think- agree. I don't even want the, um, the, the D gods, uh, like the youths do look better. Although I have neither now I'm just holding on to this dang tube, but, uh, the, the D God does seem like, I don't know. It doesn't have the same feeling. The youths definitely uh, have more of a vibe to it for wh- whatever that's worth. Um, and, and I, I do genuinely believe that that's worth something because I like, I'm looking at Valhalla and any of these other projects and a, the, at this point, there's not much of a distinction, uh, from, from them. So when they're, when they all look the same and, or they're not designed to be presented well in an actual PFP, what's the value of that thing? Like, I don't understand what, what's the incentive? Who's the true fan basically that's buying into any of these things and i don't even believe in the case of alhalla no one buys it because they're like a fan of of whatever it is unless it's like truly like i feel like the cartoon pfps do the best when it when it comes to these things and uh if it looks just like a bunch of others like if if you ask the average person well the average person is gonna have no idea what any of them are uh, but let's say they even have a chance. Maybe they'll be like, oh, I've seen those apes before. Maybe they've seen those punks before. But like, uh, the, it's hard to have distinction with, within that. And, the, uh, and then even if you do, I guess D-Gods would be one that you can include. I see someone uh, requesting to speak who's a D-God. But it's like, so I, it's, it's distinct. Uh, but I'm not like a huge fan but it's hard to like pull off. And I, I don't know what other value P always ends up mentioning being like, what is the, well, and I, I've said it before, what's the utility other than price go up? And it like the only other thing is that you rock it as your PFP. So they're like, how many are you, are you actually interested um, that you're like, oh, this looks good in a way that I want to actually use it as my profile picture. And I feel like that's like a pretty limited subset. Well, you're seeing it with Utes for sure. The, the I think the thing to, to 
you know, question and the thing to think about is, you know, is it possible for like youths to flip D gods? Because structurally speaking, just like mutant apes and bored apes and just like, you know, insert whatever uh, kind of second collection versus the first selection, structurally speaking, if there is a belief in, you know, value uh, accrual within these ecosystems, which I think everybody that buys an NFT does believe in that, nobody's going to say that they don't believe in it, then there is a hierarchy within the collection. I guess when you think about bored apes and mutant apes, the most direct thing that you could point to today is that a bored ape can stake more ape coin than a mutant ape. And whether or not you believe in staking, that is a distinct, you know, you get 5x more ape coin. Yeah, uh, that you D-Gods can get more points than Utes. So like they do give the value add there. It's also like the reason I think you see more Utes on the timeline is because they are a cheaper cost. Like that's just kind of the reality here. No, like but- more- Easy, but when I, okay, so I was going to buy either a D-Gold or a Ute on FTX Day, and I just, like, personally for me, I distinctly bought a Ute because I just thought it looked better. I also didn't, don't vibe with D-Gods. I'm just like, I'm not a, like, you know, six-pack, two-chested, buff Chad. But but that's just me, right? But it is like, like, Utes you see everywhere. I see in all the discords. I see it, like, on, like, on Twitter all the time. I just don't see that many d gods and then the d gods that i do know is like you know you got zk who comes up you know he's awesome uh but i don't know that many so it's just like um maybe but they want your flip. point they're distinct the d god is a very distinct thing like when someone rocks that is like their brand image it becomes like ingrained in your head you've even keep bringing up like a lot of the sentiment is like we see a lot of utes could you tell me who a popular ute is that is true. That is very true. But I will say this lastly. Winners. Uh, it is good. It is Okay, no, no, okay, yeah, like, you win oh, that yeah, one. That's true. Yeah, you win that one. Good. But I was going to say, you know what? It is good that D-Gods and Utes are completely different because you don't want to do a world of women where it's like world of women and world of women galaxy. So it's actually a good thing in the end that D-Gods and, and that Utes are completely different that, like, vibes. They were hyper-conscious of making Utes better for like the PFP aspect, that it wasn't so like masculine it was easier to kind of like visual on the eyes you know what i mean it's easier to look at they're these cuddly yetis you know what i mean like they're just softer they're more enjoyable to use they seem very like on brand for anybody to use so like that's 100 percent what they were targeting it's such a weird uh last year when this pfp thing started taking off i'd written in my uh i had a newsletter uh, pre the current newsletter that we have and one of the things I was talking about was I was like, what's the size of the profile picture industry? And like objectively for one moment, take away NFTs. There really hasn't, we hadn't like seen a significant like profile picture industry, but it suddenly like made a ton of sense. And I, I was like, as I was thinking about it, if you're taking the G money argument, which is he, he like presents the whole thesis for essentially NFTs as uh, uh, he, he was using the Fortnite sort of skins analogy where like people want to use it to flex, et cetera. It makes me wonder like what, what is really the long-term value of that? And is anyone just solely focused on the profile picture? And I think what we see is in a lot of cases, all of, the, all of those projects currently in the NFT space are the promise of something far greater. You may be able to take a piece of art and uh, 
node, you may reference uh, X copy grifters, maybe be the, the like sort of for people that are in the, the art space. But I don't think that was designed with the intention necessarily of being a profile picture. I think that's just inevitably what it became. And I think that who's like actually just focused on that one thing and then that's it. You're done. Like that's like the end of the thing. This is just a profile picture. And right now, OpenSea is basically the most, uh, you know, it's, it's the design is not like, wow, this is a very exclusive high-end market for profile pictures. But that's basically what the site is at this point, right? Like they're not giving you the uh, luxury goods treatment, which like if I'm going to go buy a multi-thousand dollar like bag or a piece of clothing or something or jewelry, you can be damn sure when I walk into the store, they're going to treat me like uh, in a different way. We're out here just flipping like uh, like the those like multi-thousand JPEGs like it's nothing. But really, what's the value other than being a profile picture? All the other shit, I, I like the, the only other one that stands out to me is like Board API Club. I got some airdrops and by some airdrops, life changing airdrops, basically. There's no other value other than that, which is like, oh, I could go to a concert. I could go to an event, which I end up not going to. I realize that's my option not uh, to not do that. But like in most of the other events, when I think about the amount that's spent, I think of Doodles spending a bunch on like a putt-putt area. And how much did that cost? A million dollars? What am I getting? Like, what am I literally getting with, with this? And, and why aren't there more people in this space just focusing? The PFP piece though, it's like, it's free marketing. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I look at. Like, by you look at these passes and like, you never saw anybody rocking a proof pass as a PFP. And if they did, it was quite literally just be like, Hey, I'm not poor. What's up? When they were trading like 300 ETH. And like, that's a piece of it too, where I think like there's inherent value for the PFP aspect because you get literally free marketing out of it. Like, you don't have to drive pushing this image to other people when people on the timeline and in this small bubble we're in are rocking it as a PFP. And if they have good takes and actually like provide value back to you, you become curious what their PFP is and how to get further access to them. It is good for marketing. That's something that we viewed when we were when we even like uh, have, have gone through the process of getting the, the dang PFP out the door. That was like one of the motivating factors was saying, hey, like if you make one that's solid, then your community um, identifies with that with that profile picture. And that's a, a form of marketing. That is uh, true. But what are you marketing even in that case other than uh, the PFP and then association with that community? I bought a board ape though, not knowing the people that were in there. I bought it because of hype. I didn't like go into the thing. And, and that's the thing that's odd to me. It, ape community, Moonbirds community. There is a distinction when you go to the CryptoPunks one uh, versus like uh, an ape event. There, It does have a different vibe. But when I bought... When when you buy any of them, I don't know that you're like, oh, Johnny's in that, and I really want to meet Johnny, so I'm going to go buy that that uh, th that PFP. I, I feel like even the community argument is a bunch of bunch of garbage um, for for the most part. I think you had a good point before too when uh, you just said like um, the million dollar party and stuff, and what what's the point of that? I mean, I, 
I was I was pretty friendly with the Cool Cats founders at one point and, and got invited to one of their events and, and they spent over two million dollars on a party and like it was cool. You know, I, I'm not I'm not trying to talk shit. It, be, but like, it better be a cool party for two million, but it's like But yeah, no, right? But like exact that's the exact fucking point, right? Is like you guys have that money. How many how many cool cats really went? How many were able to be in New York City for NFT NYC to go to a, an event that was $2 million? You, you could have developed a whole fucking mobile game for $2 million and, and given access to, to people. Or you could have done a lot of other engagements. I just I, It's the same thing. What are, you, what are they marketing? And, and sometimes I struggle with the same thing because you're spending that money not on continued engagement. You're, you're getting no lifetime value out of, out of those events. You have a small subset of people that can attend them. You have a small subset of people who own the NFT that that can engage in those things. It's not a global value to the brand. It's a very short-term value to a subset of what's already a small collection. Well, and and to to build or expand on that is it's not clear that there's a business model for the majority of these. Now, like uh, Board Ape Yacht Club generates revenue from secondary sales. And so that's like uh, right now still a valid thing. It's not the same level that they were at. But other than that, what is the business model behind pretty much all of these projects? And it's not clear to me that there is one at all. It, no, I don't, I don't think there is. I don't think there is one at all. And I, and I even Board Ape Yacht Club is able to stand up on, on secondary sales, but I don't, I don't think that most new upcoming projects are sustainable on that alone. They are not. They are certainly not. Like, Definitively it, not. There is nothing more certain than that uh, secondary sales right now is not enough to run a business. Well, and yet, I, what, I, what, uh, what Nick said, though, I think is totally the direction I was going into is just the um, it, it's it's a brand new space. It's brand new technology. It's hard to figure out whether a viable business is being built and if it isn't, then the question is like, well, what exactly is this? On top of that, the participants in the market can sometimes demonstrate adverse reactions to the collections being framed as a business because suddenly they feel like customers and they have an adverse reaction to that. But in reality, if the if it's not a business, then it will inevitably die because it's not if, if it's not generating revenue, then it can't be supported and it'll inevitably die. So it has to be a business, but it's hard to see tell if the people that are running these businesses are really creating lines of business within the business. Yeah, it's a lot of business. You can build brand presence there, right? And and the business doesn't have to be the brand, but the brand can have businesses. So yeah, but but basically, what this became, and I think for a, for the vast majority, was essentially Kickstarter projects without them presenting like a valid version of like what that future is. Like some of it would be like, oh, we're buying a plot and sandbox. Okay. Like what? So what are you doing with that? Like, and why? Why do I have any interest in that whatsoever? We made a joke about that. I feel like yesterday when we were talking about Tim Ferriss, we heard was buy, buying a plot and sandbox um, was just a, a dumb joke about it. But what, like, fundamentally is it? And the long term, I actually personally think is that there should actually be a marketplace where I'm buying profile pictures in a, in like a meaningful way that I'm like, yo, that looks dope. It seems unreasonable, though, at this point that so many of them are worth thousands of dollars, especially those that you can't even utilize in a way as an effective profile picture. And that, for me, is the thing that just stands out that's, that's like, this is bonkers. If I'm just going to buy it, from, 
uh, from a profile picture standpoint, there's an, there's an exception. I think bored apes have like the apes themselves, maybe the mutants. I, I think Moonbirds, I, I personally like and put into the category, have kind of uh, positioned themselves in a way. There's, I don't know as much about Moonbirds for this, but there's a collectible element of it, which is saying, hey, bored apes in particular, crypto punks in particular, have just a pure collectible aspect of it where there was some sort of like relevance to uh, a point in time, which we look at and say, wow, that was the introduction of, of uh, this technology. But it's not clear, like a, a, a lot of the ideas that were used before was like ticketing, but then ticketing is like an awful experience with NFTs so far still. Like it's just, it's just a shitty experience. There were people outside of our door that were like, uh, that, that couldn't get into our event. Uh, anyways, the, the, the main point is it, none of the things, none of the promises of last year have even materialized like through this year. So all I see it now at this point is like, yo, that's a flex. I got this like cool thing. I'm going to hold on to that. There it is. And, uh, you know, congratulations. That's a great um, collectible, but that's it. You have nothing else to it. And all the ones that are essentially launching right now, it's hard to look at it and be like, yeah, this is going to be worth anything, like anything longer than like a couple of weeks from now. It just doesn't make sense to me. And some of them do. And I'm just confused. Like, who are those people? Like, who's holding on to Valhalla right now and being like, yeah, I'm genuinely excited about this project. Like, I I don't know. It's just confusing to me because what they're really anticipating is the hope that price go up. And and, And if the PFP sucks, which I'm just not a fan of that one, why am I holding on to this thing? It just doesn't make any sense. Even if you are, well, my thing is like, if you are a fan, why does it still carry that value, especially when everyone wants to exit for number go up? One thing that you touched on is that crossover from, you know, whatever these things are to actual uh, collectibles or pieces of art that accrue value. So that's something to definitely bring up. Node has his hand raised. Node, you want to chime in on something? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, my, I, I totally agree with Nick. And that's why I basically, I own uh, three PFPs at this point, uh, the, a punk and a grifter. And those are my two, like, and the I, I have, what's that? And a moonbird. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and, the, and that's my third, but I was just going to talk about the, the punk and the grifter. I love because those two are, are a pure art play that is, there's nothing more than identity there. And the more I think about grifters, the more I just love them because it's like, you know, uh, X copy called them grifters. You know what I mean? And he's, it's like, he, he's like, he's, he's like playing 4D chess and, and just messing with everybody and calling them grifters. And they're perfectly shaped for a PFP. Like he knew what he was doing. And it's, it's like, this is such a cool, interesting take on, on like the market in general. Um, but he doesn't have to do anything. And these things are, are higher than all the mid-tier blue chips. Um, and, and by the way, if anyone holds a grifter, I mean, everybody that has a grifter probably knows this, but X copy announced like some kind of, uh, a grift bar, like a party next week to, to, to go and, and, and hang out in. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that, what that entails. But like, those are the two, that's like the main use case for me. That's why I own one of each of those. And then my, my Moonbird, I just decided this is the community that I want to associate myself with. Most all the Moonbirds I talk to, like they're my people, my vibe, like 
I, I like what Kevin Rose is up to. So it's just the association piece. And I'm not really concerned about the the value of mine. I mean, I, I got this one, you know, at, 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 at one of the later dips. So it, it was a decent price. <laughs> uh, maybe not if you take it in out of context, but like, uh, I, I like it because it's just the association piece. So I, I'm with you. Like I don't have my, my wallet described, like shows this, I don't have a ton of faith in the broader PFP market anymore. Like I'm, I'm sticking to things that I'm comfortable just not worrying about that all like the execution risk. I mean, you, you take a look at every single blue chip, you know, quote unquote blue chip and like something happens about every quarter that, that feels like the world is literally going to end for that project. Right. It's like, Clonex is going through it right now where people are like, I'm selling everything that I have. Like that happened. I literally did that with my Azuki. Like I got flooded out of my Azuki. I kind of wish I didn't, but like uh, it, that stress, I've just decided like, yeah, not for me. I'm an old man now. Like I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus on art and uh, stick with a couple like core communities that I'm, that I'm really excited about. Love to hear it. I mean, you, you got on the value accrual to art train, uh, you know, pretty early on. I mean, you got the the ringer and, and you've got you know, some of these other, uh, you know, valuable art blocks pieces. I think that the reason that some of the big brains like DC Investor got on that train early is they figured out like pretty much right off the bat that the most like kind of hook, line and sinker way to see value accrual long term to any of this stuff is to, um, you know, actually just go the art route because it's like, all right, I can see that there's going to be value accrual of this new type of art. I talked about it yesterday, a new movement within art of digital generative art, uh, which is just a new movement, just like the impressionist movement or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, lo love hearing that. Ladies and gentlemen, reminder that we're giving away two silver NFTs on our show, courtesy of today's sponsor, Cosmo Gene. Mark is the CEO uh, you know, representing for Cosmo Gene today, and we've appreciated him chiming in so far. Retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow uh, Cosmo Gene for a chance to win. We're going to be doing the giveaway in about 10 minutes. I'm glad we have Kicks on stage while we have Mark, because obviously Kicks is running his own gaming company. You know, Mark, thanks for chiming in and, and thanks for, for sponsoring the show today. What's the story with Cosmo Gene? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, Cosmo Gene is a game that we're building. And it's it, the whole thing is tokenized, um, so it's not just an, an NFT drop or a PFP drop. It's uh, all, all tokenized, and it's all about genetically engineering um, creatures. So kind of like the next evolution that we felt of what a, a Tamagotchi a crossover with Pokemon could be. So um, they're AI-generative creatures that you'll then be able to, to gene edit. We've encoded their DNA. Uh, you'll make some badass fucking creatures, and you'll be able to care for them, play with them, and and fight them. Um, all playable on a web browser in 3D. Love to hear it. And so, uh, you know, your background—you come from uh, like entertainment and gaming. Your co-founders do too. Uh, what we've seen since the gaming like ecosystem has entered uh, the NFT world is no games that are fun to play just yet. And when I talked to you about, you know, Cosmo Gene yesterday, it seemed like there was a real emphasis on just making the game fun. So I guess what's the structure? Is it free to play? Like, you know, how's it being built? How does it work? Like, you know, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, quick, you know, my, my background, I come from the entertainment space. Um, anybody who's ever collected a, a top 10 FT, Major League Baseball, Bundesliga, UEFA, um, even Godzilla, if you like giant monsters. 
Um, I did, uh, I did the platform that, that launched all of those and, and managed all those, uh, NFT drops. Um, and then also had worked on some stuff with, with the Walt Disney company, uh, prior to, to starting Sortium, which is the, the company that's building, uh, Cosmogene. Um, co-founders, uh, Evan built Blockfolio and then, um, our CTO, Alex comes from a background building 30 plus AAA titles, Star Wars Force Unleashed, a bunch of Lego games. Um, doing simulation tech for uh, Harry Potter films and Pirates of the Caribbean. So we, we come from a, a, a big AAA um, entertainment and, and gaming background. So for us, it's really all about how, how does Web3, how does tokenization, NFTs and everything, how do we get that to be a fundamental core component? Oh, what's up, Nick? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you can finish whatever your thought was, but the thing... I. Something I wonder about in this space as a whole is, you know, there's a lot of games that are coming out. And obviously, I'm not a gaming industry expert by any means. But the thing that uh, in the hurdle that, that I wonder about is user acquisition in particular. And that that's something that fundamentally, it, it, well, I wonder how do, the, how, do, how do you think about NFTs as integrating into that? And how do you end up solving the problem of like getting people into playing that particular game? Is it is it as simple as like mobile games where it's just, hey, I'm just going to buy ads and drive traffic to it? Or uh, is there something else to it? No, yeah. So, I mean, ad revenue models don't work um, quite as well as they used to, right? So, you the, the biggest revenue drivers in video games, and, and I think back to what everybody was talking about earlier, you know, what's, what's the business? And in gaming, you need a fucking business, right? You, all these Web3 games that think that they're also going to survive off of secondary market sales, every single one of them is going to just crash to zero if, if they don't have some other kind of business model in place. Um, so, you know, uh, just quick on, on Cosmo Gene, right? I mean, the, the whole point for us is making a game that's fun to play one, something you want to come in, want to be a part of, and eventually want to spend money on right like any any game you want to inter interact with and um, buy services in the game or buy items in the game um, things that would drive a traditional web 2 model uh, today so we, we can talk about that more in, in a few but as far as user acquisition uh, it's tough there's actually a big pushback on web 3 integration in the traditional community for gaming and a lot of that comes from they, they don't necessarily understand why they would just buy an NFT as opposed to playing a game. And I think a lot of that has to do with poor implementation. Uh, so first off, we're really focused on gameplay. Uh, you're going to come into to Cosmo Gene. Uh, we do have, since it's generative, and I, for anybody who's familiar with like Dolly, Dolly 2 or Midjourney or any of the art generative uh, programs, you're going to come in, you're going to basically um, pay uh, a membership, something something small, or you can earn your your tokens to to create creatures. So you have to pay your membership. You can make a certain number of creatures per whatever period of time, you know, however quick you want to. Um, and that's what it's all about. You're going to go in. It's all about the experience of growing your creature, and then you're going to play with them and, and battle them. Uh, we have a deep community integration, so it's the game is actually directly integrated with Discord as well. So you can engage with other people i could trade with you through discord i could i'll be able to battle you uh, trigger a battle through discord um i could send you items and all kinds of uh good shit right just from the community platform and i think that's going to go a long way to driving the growing community user acquisition and the fact that we're very focused on gameplay specifically and not on uh, direct 
NFT sale or, or uh, something to the user, which will let us capture that Web2 audience also. Well, yeah, and I think the thing you touched upon there, it feels obvious to me, but we haven't necessarily seen it in, in Web3. I think that it's almost like uh, the technology of Web3 prompted people to become randomly obsessed with paywalls specifically. But the problem uh, with paywalls is if there isn't value that's uh, desired by a large audience, then the paywall is pointless. All you're doing is saying, we want a, a teeny tiny audience that eventually won't stick around. It sounds to me like the the thing that you guys are putting focus on is just having people want to participate on the platform, which in this case is a game. Like you can start worrying about selling assets and paywalling stuff once people actually care about the game, right? And so, um, you know, you talked to, to me a little bit about like the the kind of venture funding that you guys have received. I don't want to, you know, uh, kind of just glaze over that um, because I, a lot of times in this space, people don't understand that you do really need resources to build. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys raised. Eight million dollars in venture money, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so we're we're a venture backed studio. Um, one of our we've raised eight million dollars to date. Uh, we're about to close another round as well, um, and we have some pretty pretty good backers behind us. One of the first investors in Axie Infinity, uh, Pangea Fund. We're the only other studio that that they've invested in, and. We built all the technology that that Cosmo Gym runs on too, so we're we're a little bit more than just a game, right? We have some really advanced artificial intelligence and game engine tech that's uh, making Cosmo Gym possible. Um, so we we got venture backing there. We have some some good investors behind us, uh, really big Italian investor, um, Arca for anybody who's familiar in, in the space, which is also a big Web three investor. Um, and now we're talking to, to some of the other large funds for this, this round that we're in. So definitely, uh, pretty, pretty well backed. Epic. And so I know that the, the call to action for people that are interested is to join the discord. And of course, if they go to the tweet that's pinned to the top, click on Cosmo gene, the discord link is right there. Uh, any other call to action? I mean, can people play the game now? Can they buy assets that can be used in game? What, you know, what's the story there? So right now we we tell everybody come come over to Discord. We want to get everybody there engaged, uh, talking, looking at you know what's what's to come. Um, we don't have a sale yet. We're gonna we have the site up, and you're actually gonna be able to play the game right out of the website. So we have the very very early version of that now. We're going through optimization. So there's there's a few things to check out on on Cosmogene.com, uh, but the most crucial thing would be join the Discord which is just, what is it, discord.gg slash Cosmogene. And I think the link will be in there too. Um, come in and, and, and be a part of the community. And we're going to have tons of uh, news for, for what's, what's to come. But right now, we're not, we're not selling you anything. We just want you to come in, check out what the game is about, uh, be a part of the community. And access initially is, is going to be uh, free um, to, to select users. And then we'll, we'll roll out our, our membership. I'm in the Discord. Program. Let's do it. Uh Kix is in the Discord. He's also on the show from a, an emulator that I told him to never, ever use, but he still loves to use it. Um, Mark, no, I appreciate you filling us in on all that. Um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the last uh, chance to retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow Cosmo Gene for the giveaway. So do that, and I'm going to start drawing the winners. You know, Mark, you told me about your co-founder's backgrounds. It sounds like there's a, a really cool mix of uh, gaming, entertainment, and actually AI. 
And obviously over the past week, AI is super hot. You know, what can you tell us about, about their backgrounds, how, they, how it kind of plays into the way that you're building this game? I feel like you mentioned that someone did like the physics for a major video game or the physics for a major motion picture, something like that. Yeah, so our, our CTO, Alex, um, has worked, he, he led the teams that made Star Wars Force Unleashed and much of other games, but also led the physics systems for Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Poseidon, um, and I believe some of the Star Wars films as, as well. So his background, though, is in artificial intelligence um, heavily, and our AI systems are, are pretty robust. I mean, it gets pretty technical, you know, so probably don't have enough time on, on this chat, but really, really advanced um, AI models uh, called like multi-agent learning processes, which is how your Cosmera will eventually learn uh, to play play with you and, and learn how you want them to fight and things. Um, but also the, that's how we're able to have generative creatures, right? There's no artist in, involved when you make uh, Cosmera. It goes through an artificial intelligence uh, generative pipeline that lets it be created from from the the engine itself uh, based on on your actions and then um it can we can do all kinds of shit it can fucking grow it can change it can morph it can mutate uh we, there's all there's going to be tons of different things we're able to do because of that and that's that's because of uh, the tech background of our our cto and and also uh, evan who's here as a listener is our coo and has been developing really um wild web3 tech for the last several years so that becomes the like when it goes through that AI process, that becomes the NFT. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, our, our whole engine tech, everything is is tokenized. So even as your uh, even your user time, and this is how players will be able to kind of earn uh, money at some point. So the game, a lot of the game logic, um, the important game logic, is tokenized in a way that we can then account on it, utilizing automated market makers in the game. So automated market maker game bots. Uh, so we get to do some crazy things like, I'm sure you all know, playing a mobile game, right? If you have a, uh, some kind of time process, something that takes time, you can usually pay a little bit, little by little, and get through that process. That's how, like, the Diablo mobile game, you can spend no money and play for free, or you could spend a quarter million dollars to, to try and boost your character through. Um, the way that our game is built, we're utilizing similar models that work really well in traditional Web 2 except we're providing that value to other players. So if a player wants to skip through a time process like growing their creature, that takes another player to have contributed time into the system, their work effort, uh, and then they get rewarded for that stuff. So it's, it's based on real revenue models so that that revenue can pass through to other, other users. But everything is tokenized, and the, the actual creatures called Cosmera are going to be um, dynamic NFTs as well. I love, love it. Hear, yeah, love to hear it. I, we got our two winners, Antoine Algin. So Antoine-Algin.eth. I've invited you to the stage. And Baby Sky, that's at Debbie Annie. 888. I've invited you both to the stage. Come on stage to accept the prize. Nick, it sounded like you have, had a question for Mark while they're coming up. Well, the last part just sounds like these are like dynamic NFTs that are like ever-changing. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So the actual... Um, NFT, the Cosmera, they will have, we use a genetic algorithm. So they'll have an actual DNA strand uh, that is encoded on chain. And then you'll be able to go in and gene edit that or make derivatives of that. So not only is your creature valuable, 
but the actual genetic code of it is going to be valuable as well. I love, love it. to hear it. Well, we got Antoine on stage. Antoine, how do you feel that you won the giveaway? Are you pumped up? Yeah, I feel great. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm a proud portal celebrity, not just an owner. So, yeah, definitely feels great. Thank you very much. Love to hear it. And there might be bugs uh, with Debbie, so I'll make sure that I, I DM Debbie and let uh, Debbie know that uh, they won. But Debbie Mark, Downer. Debbie Downer. Mark, thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Any closing thoughts? People should hop in the Cosmo Gene Discord if they're interested. In Let's go! Anything else? Yeah, hop in a fucking Cosmo Gene Discord. Come in, get ready to build and uh, genetically engineer some creatures. For the, the winners of the NFT, you you just won a, a full full membership. I think it's like 500 bucks worth of the, the token to start generating Cosmera when we launch. So everybody else, uh, get on in and, and start uh, playing a geneticist and making some fucking DNA-powered NFTs. <laughs> Love to hear it. Well, shout out to Cosmo Gene. Shout out to Mark. Uh, thanks for joining the show, everybody. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, catch you all next time. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one.